0: Innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com.
1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: My final thoughts before the Bills face the Jets, an injury update with Dr. Kyle Trimble, and my five predictions for Monday night are all coming your way today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonNFL. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, this is the last conversation that we're going to have before the Buffalo Bills start their season on Monday Night Football against. The Jets. And so I want to leave you with some final thoughts. We'll talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills about the injury situation. Some really good insight there on Von Miller, Connor McGovern, Justin Shorter, Balen Spector, of course, what's going on with the Jets and Micah Hyde. And then I have five predictions for Monday night to share with you in our final segment. But I want to start with some final thoughts. And within the final thoughts, I have three different things that I want to get into. The first is this belief that I have that the pressure for this game, this week one Monday night football game, it's all on the Jets. It's Aaron Rodgers' Jets debut, Monday night football, national audience, their place on 9-11. They're starting to get vocal, right? Not necessarily against the Bills, but a lot of confidence in who they are as a football team, and you're seeing more and more of those quotes come out. They were obviously on hard knocks. They're the darlings of the NFL right now. And they're a team that needs for this to work. They've not had success in terms of winning with consistency in a long time. The Jets have had seven consecutive losing seasons. They finished last in the AFC East in three in the last three seasons and six of the last seven seasons. They've had one winning record in the last 12 years. They have a lot riding on this Aaron Rodgers experiment. And their schedule's pretty tough. They start with the Bills. That's a tough game. Then they go to Dallas. Then they host the Patriots. Then they host the Chiefs, go to Denver and then host the Philadelphia Eagles. That's their first six games before the bye. They come out of the bye and face the Giants and the Chargers. Then they have the Raiders, the Bills again, and the Dolphins. That's their first 11 games, eight of them against playoff teams from last year, including the Bills, Cowboys, Chiefs, Eagles, Chargers, Giants, Bills again, and Dolphins. The pressure's on them. This is business as usual for the Buffalo Bills. They've been on big stages like crazy over the last three years. The pressure's on the Jets. People expect the Bills to be a good team. I know there's some debate about how good they will be, but I think most people think the Bills are going to be a good team, should be in the playoffs, good chance to win the division. But I think the pressure in this football game is on the Jets, to which I say good put them in that vantage point, having to play football games as a team that hasn't had any success in a long time to go out there and have to to face a good Bills team at their place. Are they capable of winning the game? Of course they are. They beat the Bills last year with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. But the pressure's on the Jets in this football game. The next thing I want to get into is just some general thoughts on NFL seasons in general. Now, I'll never tell you how to fan, right? You fan how you want to fan. And I certainly understand that football is a very emotional game for some people. But every season is a marathon and not a sprint. Things are never as good as you think they are, they're never as bad as you think they are. And so you can choose to ride the ups and downs, the highs and lows of a season if you want. But I would encourage you to not ride the roller coaster, and just take things in stride this year. The Bills started the 2021 season with that loss against the Steelers. The team was completely flat. By the end of that season, most people thought the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl until 13 seconds happened. I'm going to be here for you six episodes per week, at least throughout the season, and I hope you'll join me for the journey. We'll learn who this team is along the way, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you on this podcast. But again, as this season is about to kick off, I would encourage you to let things play out, take it in stride, and stay off the roller coaster. The last thing I want to say in this opening segment as I close out my final thoughts is not really about the Bills and Jets. It's about the Bills and the age of their roster. You know, a lot has been said about the age of the Bills roster and, in particular, an aging nucleus. And I think there's some truth to that. And perhaps it's a concern, but it's only a concern if Brandon Bean can't replenish the roster with youth. And I think there's been some really good strides that have been made in that department. Now I'll get into that in a moment. But first, I mean, let's talk about the Bills' roster age. The Bills' roster's average age is 26.85 years old. That's the fourth oldest in the NFL. The oldest roster in the NFL is the Jets, 27.28. The youngest roster in the NFL is the Packers at 25.36. Funny how the team that got rid of the oldest quarterback in the NFL now has the youngest roster. And the team that acquired the oldest roster, the oldest quarterback in the league, now has the oldest roster. Funny how that goes. But the point is, and I've said this before on the podcast, the range in the oldest roster in the NFL and the youngest roster is very small. It's less than two years. 1.92 years. That's it. So I'm not sure how useful average roster age is as something we should actually care about. Now back to the strides I referenced. You're seeing some young players have roles on this football team, and I know that, that was a big talking point last year. The Bills didn't get much from their rookie class. Meanwhile, the Chiefs had like a billion rook- rookies on defense, and they won the Super Bowl, and so there's this big conversation about the Bills and playing young people, right? They're going to have two rookie starters this year, in Osiris Torrance and Dalton Kincaid. Osiris Torrance is going to be on the field for 100% of the snaps this year. And we're expecting Dalton Kincaid to have a meaningful role in this offense. And that's already from this draft class. You've got three starters now from the 2022 draft class. The guys that didn't help as rookies, they're starting now. James Cook, Terrell Bernard, Christian Benford. Those are starters. You got two starters from the 2021 draft class and Greg Rousseau and Spencer Brown, not to mention DeMar Hamlin. You've also got some other guys on rookie deals like a Gabe Davis. You're seeing young players get more and more opportunity with this football team. I think last year was just a different type of season. I think the Bills have shown a willingness to play rookies and young players throughout the years. Last year was definitely not one of those occasions. But how quickly did it take? It took one year for them to have three starters from that draft class. But on top of seeing these guys earn roles and get big roles on this football team, I love seeing that. There's three guys who were on the practice squad all of last season, now make the opening day roster. Alec Anderson, Ryan Vandemar, Kingsley Jonathan, those were practice squad players last year that made the uh, initial 53-man roster this year. And we've seen that happen a couple of times in in recent history with Quentin Morris and Cam Lewis, guys that were on the practice squad that have become staples on the 53-man roster. And through that, you're seeing young players bump some of the older guys off the roster. Alec Anderson making this football team bumps an Ike Bucker off the roster. He's not even on the practice squad. The young mix of players at linebacker with Dorian Williams and Terrell Bernard, they bump out an A.J. Klein, Damar Hamlin and Cam Lewis, they bump off a Dean Marlowe. Ryan Vandemark pushes David Questenbury off the roster. So young players bumping off, developing and bumping off aging players. That have basically expired in terms of their usefulness as NFL players. And so all of that's encouraging. Oh, by the way, the bills have nine picks right now in the 2024 NFL draft. And so I find all of this to be very encouraging when it comes to player development and infusing root youth onto this roster. I think that's something that needed to happen. I like where it's going. Obviously, obviously, those are good steps. We're we're concerned about the, the star power of the roster, right? I get that. I get that. But I think these are really good steps, and the Bills have the ammunition to continue making these types of steps. All right, just a moment. We're going to talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills. But first, I need to tell you about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And folks, it is so easy to create a job post over at LinkedIn Jobs. And then once you do, you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Bill's Mafia, let's get personal for a minute. Has anyone ever been caught skinny dipping? You know what I mean. When you dip your tortilla chip just barely enough to get a dab of salsa on it, it's okay. We've all been there. And sometimes it's not your fault. Most tortilla chips can't even handle a chunky dip without breaking right in half. But those days are over. It's time to say goodbye to skinny dipping and hello to chunky dunking because Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are literally made to dip. They're strong and sturdy enough to handle the heftiest dips of guac, all seven layers of dip, and every last chunk in that salsa. So say goodbye to skinny dipping and hello to chunky dunking with Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, available at Wegmans in the chip aisle. Zach's mighty tortilla chips equipped to dip. I'm joined now by Kyle Trimble. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He runs bangedupbills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangedupbills. He joins us each week to get us ready from an injury perspective for the upcoming Bills game. And Kyle, we've got a nice light injury report to start off the season. We know that's probably going to change real quick, but for now the only player of consequence on the Bills injury report is Micah Hyde and Sean McDermott kind of a weird sequence of events said he wouldn't practice due to a back injury and some other stuff. And then he practiced. And then the next day, Sean McDermott says, Well, yeah, I know I said he wouldn't practice, but then he did. He did some light stuff, and then he practiced in full. What's going on with Micah Hyde?
1: According to the team, a back injury and nothing more. So it's just it's real interesting how Sean McDermott said that. Uh, We saw a video of him out on Wednesday getting some work done by head athletic trainer, Nate Bresky. He's working on his lumbar area, um, SI joint area, um, just doing some different general mobilizations, but he was moving around pretty well, throwing the ball, Josh Allen running around, but did not practice fully in team drills at some point on uh, Thursday's practice. And then during the walkthrough on Friday, he's able to practice in full. Uh, So we don't know exactly what the nature of the back injury was. He thought that it's my, something along the lines of getting older, maybe playing with his kids. Uh, But it's interesting that Sean McDermott said that he's doing some other things. Mm -hmm. So the back might be the more acute pressing issue, but he might be doing some other things that might crop up throughout the season. So it's just something to watch. But considering you have Micah Hyde ready for week one uh, against the Jets, especially considering Rodgers' former teammate, that's going to be really beneficial. Uh, So something to watch, but hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks during the game uh, on Monday night. You said he was going to play.
0: Right, yes, I mean, he, he was did. he was pretty emphatic, like, I'm going to play next question. So I, I assume he will. One thing that's interesting to me about this entire situation is something that I've learned over the offseason. Let me share a little of my knowledge with you here. I had a little lower back injury myself back in June. I was doing some deadlifts, got the bar out in front of me too far and hurt hurt my lower back. But what I learned through rehabbing that injury is that you want to work on that area, but it's also about the neighbors, right? the neighboring parts of what your injury is so we focused a lot on those neighboring areas of my lower back and that got me back in action quicker i'm wondering if some of that's going on with micah high just based on what they were working on the fact that they said there was some other things you know that's that's going into this entire equation
1: oh 100 i mean i'm sure that they're working on some hamstring stuff i'm sure they're working up on uh more thoracic stuff yeah. working on core stability you know when i'm always working on an injury yeah you work on the the acute area right now, but you still have to work around the other areas because everything supports everything else there. And look at the arm and the leg is like a chain. So if you have a weak link in the chain, it's going to affect how the other parts move there. So while you do want to give uh, rehab and support to the affected area, you still want to make sure the other areas are good so those don't break down and then you have bigger problems down the line.
0: There you go. I'm learning. I'm learning, Dr. Kyle Trimble. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Connor McGovern. He's not on the injury report, but he had a little something with his knee. Mm -hmm. And the team kind of made light of it. And then we've seen some practice video. The guy doesn't look like he's moving all that well. Um, Again, not in the report. I think every expectation is he's going to play on on Monday night. But, I mean, come on, Quinton Williams across from him. I don't think he's 100%. What are you picking up
1: from seeing those videos? He definitely injured his knee. So, for Brandon Bean to say nothing major, I mean, it might not be a major injury. But that's still... Not nothing. So just to quickly recap, he injured his knee the Wednesday before the final preseason game, missed that whole week of practice. And then we saw him the next week where they after cut downs and he looked like he was running through sand, mud. It just didn't look pretty. Mm -hmm. Trouble slowing down, trouble pivoting off the right knee Had a big bulky brace on there. It just didn't look great. And we were texting back and forth about that. Um, fortunately, we saw the next week um, this past Wednesday. There was some more video of him, and he looked to be a little more fluid. Still not 100, still laboring on it. But the hope is maybe that the knee injury isn't going to be lingering super long. That even a 78% Connor McGovern is maybe still better than 100% David Edwards, who he might be dealing with something himself. But they probably look as let's get the guy out there that with that continuity of the offensive line, even at less than 100, will be better than. Plugging somebody in there, and then maybe that's where you have issues where Quentin Williams does take advantage of that juicy matchup there. So that's something to watch, but I don't expect the Connor McGovern injury to linger, but it's something still worth watching um, if Quentin Williams does get through the line on Monday night. A
0: couple of players went to injured reserve right at the cutdown Justin Shorter, rookie wide receiver, and the bail inspector, the second year linebacker. So I want to get your thoughts on these two guys. Are these more procedural type stuff where these are just minor issues? want to keep him kind of stashed for a little bit to keep other guys on the roster, or are there some long-term concerns with either specter or shorter?
1: So we'll hit specter first. So specter was the more uh, notable injury. He suffered in the final preseason game. He was trying to pull up uh, to avoid hitting. I can't remember who it was out of bounds, which I would have drew a penalty. So he just, Stumbled and then you could see him kind of over get overextended and then uh, suffer the right hamstring strain and he was having trouble walking, uh, grabbing at the back of his leg. That made me think that it was at least a grade two, even a minor grade two, where there's an actual injury. And knowing that how the linebacker depth was and just the opportunity to move somebody to IR to stash them. There is a real injury, but I think that gave him the opportunity to move somebody over, bring a vested veteran back, and then allow him to rehab fully instead of trying to work through that because he is a key special teamer, so you want to make sure that he can sprint down the field and not have any setbacks, and then he's sitting on IR for even longer. Uh, So as for Justin Shorter, though, he has a hamstring injury. He did deal with a hamstring injury during his last year of Florida, which he missed three games with. Um, He does have a more of a checkered injury history. I don't know how severe the hamstring injury is, though. Um, he played in 35 plays. I couldn't find anything in the video or the film where he would have suffered a hamstring strain. That might have been more of a stash thing, but I do not believe the Billers are making up injuries. I believe he has an injury, but they're allowing him to go over to injury reserve, get fully healthy, learn the system some more. And then that way they can bring him back when he's ready versus you know, trying to push through another injury.
0: Tell you what, the Justin Shorter that I watched in two of the three preseason games wasn't ready. He he wasn't ready to play. Not health aside, like just from route running and even special teams, where you feel like he could be an asset on those fourth downs and special teams. I felt I felt like he he needed some work, and so I could see him kind of being more of a stash type player. And certainly with they got four guys on the practice squad at wide receiver, one of them being Andy Isabella. You feel a lot nice about Shorter just sticking on IR. We have this pool of guys to to. Lean on if we need to, but right now, can you really rely on Justin Shorter? Probably not, but you also don't necessarily want to expose him to waiver So I think that was definitely procedural. I want to ask you about Von Miller. Um, here we are, right? I think kind of both of our expectations, what happened here, I know there was some week one hype. I always thought that was kind of crazy. He's on the pup list, he'll be out at least four games, but I think something that maybe provoked some thoughts in people this week was Von Miller. I think it was during his regular press conference, he said that, hey, Doctor Cooper cleared me, and people are like, well, "What do you mean you're cleared? Why aren't you playing?" Maybe you can uh, guide us along here how to interpret that and what the road ahead is for Von Miller to get back on the field.
1: So it is interesting, and that would promote uh, or provoke a lot of um, discussion. Why somebody's clear but then they can't play? So. Usually we see that there's a decrease in retail rates after nine months. And traditionally, guys follow that, most surgeons there. I know Dr. Cooper specifically has had a history of releasing some guys sooner than that nine-week period, or very, very close to like 34, 38 weeks in that range. So, but those guys are also a lot younger um, that he's released, and there have been more offensive uh, base players from my recollection. So the fact that he's released uh, released to perform football activities two days before a PUP that didn't give him the chance to really get his body hardened and uh, get prepared for football. And that was the same, same or very similar wording Brandon Bean used last year when they're talking about Tredavious White. So they decided to stash Travis White last year, knowing that he needed to get his body hardened and ready for the season. And, Von Miller, even though he's a hall of fame guy, he's been through this before he's had a lot of seasons on him. He still needs to get his body ready to prepare to play football at a high level. So to rush him back out there and not really get any hits, that's a smart choice to say, Hey, let's get you ramped up through that way. Get more pads on, get simulated hits, pressures, whatever you need to do rather than just jumping out there. And then you're still not adjusted to whether he wears a brace or not, or anything else that is going on. So, um, it's good that he's cleared, but he still needs that ramp-up period just like every guy does in training camp.
0: All right, I appreciate that insight. I want to ask you about the Jets. Is there anything on the Jets side of things that we need to know? I know that some tackles have some stuff, a couple running backs. What's the Jets stuff that we need to be mindful of?
1: Uh, most of their stuff is uh, more – I don't want to say chronic, but there's nothing acute here. So looking at the injury report, they have three guys on there. They have Mekhi Becton, who is still working back from his right knee injury. It's costing a better part of two years. He's also working through an illness, so his quest- uh, his status is questionable right now until they give an update, um, but they just want to make sure they manage his reps uh, so he has not uh, flare up the knee. Same goes for uh, offensive tackle Dwayne Brown. He's coming back from his left rotator cuff repair. He got activated a few weeks ago, and once again, he's ramping up, just like we talked about with Von Miller and everybody else. Uh, finally, Brees Hall, he's working back from his ACL tear that cost him most of his rookie season. He's looked great in practices, but he still needs that ramp-up time just like everybody else, and they're smart not to get him out there too quickly just because they have Dalvin Cook, and they have a really nice stable running back. So get the guy some reps, some time, but don't need to be the bell cow and cause setbacks with that knee, and then you're missing him for even longer stretches.
0: Dr. Kyle Trimble. I love talking to you, man. This dude studies the NFL. He studies injuries. He studies the, the, the Twitter clips, the Instagrams so he can bring us this information every single week. Appreciate what you do, and thank you for sharing your expertise.
1: Thank you, Joe. Go Bills.
0: Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, check this out. This is a great offer. All customers who bet $5 We'll get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You got to check out these deals. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from the spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, welcome back. I want to give you my five predictions for Monday Night Football. But first, I would like to invite you to join the Locked On Bills subtext community. This has been awesome. We've been doing it for a few months now. I've really enjoyed it. My favorite part is the one-on-one text conversations. You can send me your questions, comments, whatever you have about the Bills, and I'm just a text message away, direct line right to me. Love going back and forth and talking Bills football with you guys, but also I've been doing this throughout the preseason, and I plan on doing it throughout the regular season, but I'm sending out in-game thoughts. As I'm watching the Bills games live, I'm sending out live text to everybody uh, to let you know just kind of the things that I'm watching, things I'm observing, uh, that type of stuff. So check that out. People loved it in the preseason. I'm going to continue it through the regular season, so don't miss your opportunity to join the Lockdown Bills subtext community. I also you know, give my first thoughts on all major Bills news. I send out mass text messages. We have herd mentality priority for the subtext community. Lots of cool stuff. So check it out. If you'd like to join, there's a link in the show notes for today. So just if you're on YouTube or whatever podcasting platform, click on the show notes. There's a link to join the Lockdown Bill subtext community. Would love for you to join. Check it out. Everybody gets two weeks free, and I hope you will consider. All right. It's prediction time. Every week I give you five predictions for things that I think will happen. For the Bills game. And through this, I try to tell a story, right? I try to predict things that will fall in line with what I think the game script is going to look like. And so here you are. My first prediction since it's week one and the Bills are healthy going into this game, we're expecting all 53 players on the active roster to be available. And so with that in mind, I wanted to predict the inactive players, right? If you're a team that dresses eight offensive linemen, that means that you have to have five inactive players and so I think the Bills will have five inactive players on Monday night I think four of them are very easy for me to predict and then the fifth one's where it gets interesting I think Alec Anderson he'll be inactive I think Jermaine Effetti he'll be inactive so two offensive linemen you have your five starters and that still leaves you with Ryan Bates David Edwards and Ryan Vandemark as your three backups so Anderson and Effetti are two of them I think Kingsley Jonathan it will, will be inactive. That'll still leave the Bills with four defensive ends and Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, A.J. Epinesa, and Shaq Lawson. And then I think Kyer Elam is going to be inactive. He's not a starter. I don't think he's the primary backup to Christian Benford. I think Dane Jackson is. And so I think Kyer Elam will be inactive for this football game. And so who's the fifth guy? This is where it gets interesting. I think there's three options that make some level of sense to me, one of them being Latavius Murray, I don't think it's going to be Latavius Murray because I think the Bills are going to want to have Damian Harris and Latavius Murray available behind James Cook. I just do. But he's a possibility. I think Khalil Shakir is a possibility. They only have five receivers, but they have. I think, I think, I just feel like Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy are above Khalil Shakir right now in the depth chart. I think he's a possibility, but I'm not going to predict him. The player I'm going to predict is Puna Ford. And I just feel with, there being four of the defensive tackles in Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle. I feel like just do you need five defensive tackles to be active, especially when on your defensive ends, Shaq Lawson, Greg Rousseau, and A.J. Epinesa can reduce inside and rush. And so I just feel like five defensive tackles, one of them makes sense. And I guess it's Puna Ford, just kind of based on, you know, the Bills have released their unofficial depth charts, and Puna Ford's like the fifth guy. And so that's why I'm gonna predict him. Uh, but I could talk myself into Khalil Shakir for sure. I could talk myself into one of the safeties as well, whether it's Cam Lewis or Damar Hamlin. But I don't know. I feel like those guys are very useful for special teams, where Puna Ford's not going to help you on special teams. So that's kind of where I go. So my predicted five inactives: Alec Anderson, Jermaine Fethi, Kyer Elam, Kingsley Jonathan, and Puna Ford. My second prediction is that the first touchdown of the season for the Buffalo Bills that will be scored on Monday Night Football, and the player scoring it. His name is Stefan Diggs. I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a huge year. I've obviously predicted him to break the touchdown record, but this was prompted. I was playing golf with my brother, my brother, David, on Friday. And he said, well, who do you think is going to score the first touchdown? And I'm like, oh, I love this question. And then I thought about it, and I was like, I, I think it's going to be Stefan Diggs. And it, it might be the first drive. It might be first or second drive. Nine plays, 70 yards, something like that. And I'm just, I have visions of Stefan Diggs from about the five – yard line in a you know in a goal to go situation and him just stemming hard to his left breaking right crossing the face of Sauce Gardner and catching a touchdown right there on like a quick speed out so put me down for Stefan Diggs scoring the first touchdown of the season on the touchdown pass from Josh Allen number 3 i'm predicting that James Cook leads all backs in this game in yards from scrimmage so obviously more than any other player on the bills but also on the Jets and they got Brees Hall who's an explosive young player Dalvin Cook paying a pretty good amount of money to come over there and be one of the running backs I think James Cook is the back in this game that has the most yards from scrimmage so rushing and receiving yards I think the most of them go to James Cook I think that you know one of the things about the Jets defense it's really good but if there was a weakness to it last year, it was their run defense. It was kind of average. Even the Bills had some level of success running the football, not quite where their season averages were. But I think that they're going to be able to lean on James Cook, the runner. But also, I think involving him in the passing game is going to be important in this football game. You know, they got some good outside corners and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. And so I think that kind of puts some of the ancillary components of your passing game more in the spotlight. And I can see the Bills leaning into James Cook a little bit in this game. So I think he has the most yards from scrimmage. I wanted to pick something like with the slots, uh, but I couldn't figure it out. Like with Kincaid, Hardy, Shurfield, I was thinking, well, if I predict them to have a combined nine receptions, is that interesting? But I thought the, the better way to kind of communicate what I'm trying to get after was, all right, James Cook has the most yards from scrimmage of any back in this game. Number four. I'm predicting 150 rushing yards from the Bills in this game. I think they need to lean into running the football. I think there's going to be production throwing the ball. Don't get me wrong. But where I feel like they might have the greatest advantage is running the football. And with James Cook and Damian Harrison, Latavius Murray, and Josh Allen, I think they can get some yards on the ground. So put me down for 150 rushing yards or more from the Bills on Monday Night Football. And the last one is I always predict if I think the Bills will win the game, and I do think the Bills win this game. I've mentioned it already. Pressure's on the Jets, but also the Bills catch them at a good time. I think the Jets are going to be a good football team. But week one, a lot of new pieces, right? A lot of expectations. they got to play from that vantage point. I think that favors the Bills to be able to go to New Jersey and win this game. And I think the Bills are kind of laying low right now, and I like that. I think that this is a really good football team. Uh, the, is there a path for the Jets to win the game? Of course there is. But I think the Bills win this game. I, I'm envisioning like a 24 to 20 game, 24 to 17, 27 to 21, something like that, where the Bills kind of get to the mid 20s and the Jets kind of flirt with the 20s. Maybe they get barely into it. But I think the Bills win this football game and remind the world who they are and remind the world that the Jets have a lot to prove. And it could absolutely happen for them. It certainly can. But that's how I think things go on Monday night. All right, folks, looking forward to this football game, and I'm looking forward to recapping this football game. Immediately after the game, I'm going live on Bleacher Report, then I'm getting to work on Locked On Bills, and then on Tuesday, obviously, I'm going to have episodes of Locked On Bills, but also I'm doing a midday Uh, bleacher report stream there as well so make sure you're checking out my work over at bleacher report a couple of live streams coming at you pretty quick here on monday and tuesday not to mention we're going to get herd mentality in and we're going to get uh the all 22 review in as soon as that tape's available i'm going to get into it and work on an all 22 review episode for you so a lot coming your way here reacting to this bills game hopefully it's our first victory tuesday of the year i want to say it so bad so bad uh so let's uh Let's keep our fingers crossed for that. All right, folks, would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the game. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you right after the conclusion of Monday Night Football. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.